Hello. Good evening, church. As Rona just said, my name is Michelle, and I'm a member here at Shofar Anabash. And tonight, I will be speaking about connecting with people with who you have absolutely nothing in common with. So, it's only natural for all of us to gravitate towards people with who you have a lot of common ground. Maybe you are of the same religion, the same culture, you speak the same language. It's easier to connect with those people, or at least if I'm being honest, for me it is. So, growing up and going to school, and even during my years at university, I tended to make friends with people with who I shared a lot, with who I had a lot in common. We, um, most of my friends all grew up in Afrikaans families. We were all raised with the principles of the Christian religion, and we still shared that belief. We, so we spoke the same language, we had this, a similar background, the same culture, and it's just easier to, for me to connect with people like that. It's almost like in a friendship like that, you can skip a couple of steps because you already share so much common ground. Um, this morning I made a terrible analogy of running a race, but I won't do that tonight because Kathleen will be very upset. But you understand what I'm saying, that if you, ha if you share that common ground, it's so much easier to just delve right into the relationship. And if you don't, share all of that, it's kind of like you have to back way up and start way at the beginning again. So that's how I grew up, that's how I went to school, that was my experience at university and then I started working and I started working in the creative industry. I walked into a company where I was the one who didn't fit in, where it felt like I didn't have anything in common with my colleagues or that's the way it felt to me. Um, it's, yeah, it, it was really, we spoke different languages, um, or we had different home languages. I spoke English with them, but I was almost the only Afrikaans one. We had different beliefs, different worldviews. Um, our ages were different. I was quite a bit younger than most of my colleagues. Um, uh, even the terminology and the lingo that they used were so different from what I was used to. To give you a simple example of that, I... Uh, got talking to my one colleague and we were getting to know each other and he asked me where I live. So I told him I live in Pinelands. And he said, oh, he once considered moving there, but then he decided against it because it was a dry area. <laughs> I, was very <laughs> I was very confused. I did not know what he meant. And I was like, oh, I, you know, I don't think it's that dry. It just rained a little bit the day before yesterday. <laughs> Upon which he told me, darling, I'm talking about alcohol. What I didn't know then, but what I know now, is that a dry area means that they're not allowed to sell alcohol within that specific area. So that's just to give you an idea how out of my element I was within this specific group of people. Um, so I found myself faced with a choice, and I could either go to work every day, and, you know, just keep to myself, keep my head down, keep it strictly professional, go, you know, do my work, do it well, and then go home at the end of the day. Or I could go to work, do my work, do it well, and connect with my colleagues. I could sit around a lunch table with them, join them for drinks after work, laugh over a joke at the coffee counter. Um, it's, yeah, so I was faced with this decision, and... For those of you who know me a little bit might guess that I chose door number two. 
So I chose to try and connect with my colleagues. And it wasn't always easy. It was challenging, and I definitely did not always feel comfortable. But in the end, it was so worth it. And I realized that if, for me, as an extrovert, it was so difficult, I can just imagine how challenging this could prove to be to other people who doesn't necessarily crave human interaction the way I do. <laughs> but from my experience, I can testify that in the end, it's totally worth it. So tonight, I'm going to look at two different aspects. I'm going to be speaking about the how and the why. How do you connect with people with who you have nothing in common? Where do you start? Um, I'm not going to be dwelling on this too long because I believe it's different from situation, situation to situation and person to person. Um, but I'm just going to give you a few hacks, as Kenny would say, to help you along the way. And then what I really want to get to is the why. Why do you want to go through the effort of doing this? Because if you don't understand the why, then you won't be motivated to go through the effort of the how. Okay, so... How do you connect with people with who you have nothing in common? Hack number one, the art of small talk. <laughs> so I'm sure that all of you absolutely love making small talk, right? It's everybody's favorite pastime. Um, I myself am no expert, but I believe that when the mood strikes, I can be quite good at it. So for tonight, as the self-appointed expert, I am going to give you a crash course. First of all, be interested in the person. Ask them questions. Formulate your question in such a way that they can't give you a clear yes or no answer. When asked a question in return, don't give them a simple yes or no answer. For instance, they ask you if you like cheese. Why yes, I love cheese. You know what? Once I went to the Netherlands and then we visited this small town called Edom, you know, Edom cheese, and it was amazing. They had this whole cheese market with all shapes and flavors that you can imagine, and we had the best time. Have you ever been to Europe? Oh, really? Where about in Europe have you been? You get where I'm going. And that's how you build on the conversation, okay? So then you listen to their response and you build on it. But wait, here comes the tricky part. You have to remember what they tell you. Okay? That remembering will then also give you a platform for future conversations. For instance, maybe once you remember that your colleague told you that she had, has, hopefully she still has, three kids. <laughs> <laughs> and next time you see her, you ask her about the kids. How are they? If you remember their names, it's a bonus. Okay, moving on swiftly to hack number two. Just be yourself. Don't try to shape yourself into someone else that you think will better fit in. Don't try to act in a certain way that you feel will be more accepted. Um, the people will probably see right through it in any way, and you will never be 100% comfortable in trying to do that. Also, especially don't compromise on your morals and your values, not to help you fit in, and not because you feel that maybe the people will feel more comfortable around you if you kind of take the shape of something that they used to. But this also doesn't mean that you mustn't make an effort to integrate. You must still try to integrate. If you move to a new country, make an effort to learn the language, study the culture, and respect that culture. You can, you know, if you um, join a new work, a new church, 
go to the social gatherings, go to the events, even if you think, oh, my word, it's going to be so awkward, I'm going to be standing around with nobody to speak to or nothing to say because I don't know anybody, just make an effort to put yourself out there, but also give your colleagues the chance or the people you're trying to connect with the chance to really get to know you as you are, not the person that you think they want you to be, but who you are, okay? You might be surprised by their reaction. And then the third and final hack, there is always something, just find it. There's always some form of common ground, no matter how obscure it might seem to be. Maybe you enjoy the same genre of movie. Um, maybe you once ate at the same restaurant in town and you both loved it. Maybe you have the same favorite color. Whatever it is, there will be some tiny bit of detail that you have in common that you can use just to build upon. And yeah, so just find that little something and start building the structure from that little piece of common ground. Okay, so now let's speak about the why. Why should I go through the effort of making small talk even though I really don't enjoy it? Why should I try and remember this person's birthday even if I feel no real connection with this person? Um, I believe this goes so much deeper than what I can actually share with you tonight, but hopefully um, what I'm saying can just inspire you a little bit, you know, can just get those thoughts going, get you thinking about it, and then you can delve into it a bit more later. So from a biblical perspective, I believe that if you connect with different types of people and with different cultures, you really get to see a little bit more of God, of who God is and of his character, because I believe that God created each and every one of us. So that means, and we're created in his image. So that means that something of who he is, is in some way reflected in every culture and in every person. So the more you surround yourself with different, and the more you connect with different people and different cultures, the more different aspects of God you will find. <laughs> and then also... As you get to know people, you learn to love them. And you learn to love them the way Jesus loves them. You learn to love them the way God wants you to love them. And that's a kind of love that you just, you can't get it from a distance. You actually need to make an effort to get to know the people. So even if you look at this concept of interacting with different types of people and people so different from yourself, through a lens that's not shaped by the Bible and by the Word of God, you'll still find that you see so many benefits. You can see so many benefits in these situations, and there will be so much personal growth and development for yourself. It gives you the opportunity to develop your own opinions and ideas and to be able to motivate these opinions and ideas. I believe this and this and this, not because... It's what my parents believe and the way I was raised or what my friends tell me. But because, yes, it's what they say, but I went out there and I figured it out. I thought it through. I lived it. And now I understand it and I can motivate it. I was shocked. <laughs> I shocked myself to find out that when I started working, some people you know, started asking me about some of my beliefs and some of the morals that I stand by because they were curious. And a, a lot of the things I couldn't properly motivate simply because I was always surrounded by people with a similar mindset, with similar views. So it was never questioned. It was never challenged. And 
I couldn't properly motivate it. I didn't really understand everything that I believed simply because I was yeah, so surrounded by such a narrow group of people. And um, yeah, so this is even, this is just speaking about the personal growth and development that you can get out of it. This is not even touching on the positive impact that you will have on the other people with who you connect. So that's a whole different perspective on it as well and a whole different positive view from it as, that can come from that as well. Um, so for tonight, this is all the wisdom that I have to share with you. I believe that this is the type of topic that you really have to live to truly grasp, to truly understand. And as you live it, the how will become easier, I promise, and the why will become more apparent. Thanks, Michelle, for setting me up. Hi, everyone. Um, I am a blessing. And yay. Yay. Awesome. I'm so privileged to have some of my good friends here, Vivian and Matthew and Goku. Goku and I have been friends since first year. We met uh, during our week. He was my next-door neighbor in Rez, and we've been friends since then. And Matthew and Corinne and Vivian and Duncan are my flatmates. They, I live with two married couples, so I'll be talking. Uh, yes, I know. Um, <laughs> and I'm single. Uh, well, so I'll be talking about intentional living. Um, so uh, for the past few years, uh, five years, uh, I've been going on missions, and I love short-term missions. They're really great. I've grown so much um, just going into a different context and um, just seeing God move um, in people's lives. And also when you're in a mission, you like, go close to the people that you, you're with in a short space of time. But my, my frustration has always been like when you get back home, right? Like the people are not there anymore. Like um, you don't experience God the same way. I think if you've been on a mission, you know what I'm talking about. Like you, that has always been my frustration that the intentions that I have when I'm in a mission um, for two weeks, I don't necessarily have it when, I, when I'm at home. I can easily in Zimbabwe walk and do door-to-door ministry, but when I get home, I don't know my, my neighbor's name, right? And for me, there was a big struggle for me. So uh, two years, two years ago, uh, I entered into a communal living with Matthew and Karina and Mark and Simone and the two cats that they had. Um, yes, they were part of the family. Um, then Mark and Simon moved out, then Duncan and Vivian came in, so I've been living with them for uh, seven months now, and it's been really great. Um, but I want to share a little bit of context and my frustration with, um, just more or less me, I don't think missions are a bad thing, they're really great, there's a, there's a need for it, but I, I was the problem. Um, I just needed to, to change my perspective and be more intentional when I get back home. So... Uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, Theresa May, uh, the Prime Minister of the UK, instituted a Ministry of Loneliness, uh, which is quite odd. Like, we live, it's a first world country, and like, you, shouldn't, you don't expect people in government to have a ministry and have money and a budget um, for, for loneliness. Um, they say one in ten people admit to being, to being lonely. Um, Simon Aker, 
is a psychologist. He says social connectivity is one of the, the greatest indicator of, um, of happiness and how long you will live. It is as great an indicator as smoking, um, high blood pressure, and obesity. Um, and I think back home as well, I think we've, we've seen this is, um, a number of suicides at UCT. They've, the number of, uh, has doubled in, in, in a year. In 2016, there were three students killed themselves. And 2017, it was reported by Sunday Times that six students had, had killed themselves. So, and these are the people that we, we see. Like, they're in our classrooms. Um, they're in the same res as us. Some of them are in church. But they, might, they, might, they feel this, this longly. And it's because, like, we live in a digital world. I mean, it's so easy to swipe right and find a life partner and get married, right? Um, and you can, have thousands, you can have thousands of friends on Facebook and yet not have deep, meaningful relationship with them. And it just shows, like, with intentionality that the, rela- the friendships are very shallow um, and inauthentic. So I think I also went through a period of difficulty, like 2015. I was in my final year. Um, I didn't, uh, I didn't know that I was, I was depressed at the time. It was only at the end of the year when I was doing a psychometric test that um, a psychologist called me and said, uh, we need to talk. <laughs> um, but uh, prior to that, I think it was in June, I was doing School of the Nation, Nyasha, Matthew, and Armand, and Raina were there. And we were talking about my childhood, and it just, it just offered me the space to be vulnerable. And uh, I remember crying. It felt like I was crying for hours. <laughs> And I think it's that kind of relationship and authenticity and, and vulnerability that you, you get when you're in a mission. But like when you get home, you don't get it all the time. There were three things that I've learned when I'm in a mission, that you're vulnerable, um, you're intentional, like you have purpose for those two weeks, and we, you also have community. Um, but when you get back home, you don't have those things at once. Right? Um, so my period of, yeah, that, that really helped me a lot. And I also had 2015, I was just like my final year, so you would, you would think I would be happy, right? Because I've studied my whole life to get to this point. I'm about to graduate, but at the same time, I was busy contemplating suicide. And I remember sharing this with the mission trip, with the mission guys that I was in 2015. Um, that as I was, one day I was walking home and meditating um, and asking Jesus, is there any good reason why I shouldn't, I shouldn't take my life? Since I was busy meditating, I heard him say, I think of the good things that uh, I've done for you. Um, so I was thinking, and I couldn't find uh, anything um, to act on my, on my thoughts. So, so, yeah, I'm still here. Um, so, <laughs> well, quite literally, my, my relationship with Jesus uh, literally uh, just saved me. And, yeah, and I think what I, what I want to point Point us to is uh, like living in in coming back when I I decided to start living in community with Matthew and Karina, Duncan and Vivian. Was that in te- they the I live with two married couples, so my my actions have an impact on their marriage, right? And I have to be very intentional. I could I I I can impact their marriage, and I have to be intentional about how I live um, my life. And also, I expose myself to, to them every single day. They see me. I mean, it's so easy to, to dress up and put makeup and go to work, right? But like, and put filters um, and not allow people to know you. 
like Michelle was saying, be you. Um, like you don't, it's so easy, but you, it's different when you're like at the ranch, right? Like you, <laughs> you don't, like people know you. Like if you're grumpy in the morning, they, they can see it. Um, I think one of the things that we, we felt that were really important to us was um, just our time together. So in the Monday mornings, we wake up, go to six, and we pray for each other. I feel like we're commissioning each other to the week. Right? Like, God bless you. Um, so that's so great that we can share life together and speak into each other's life, iron sharpening iron. You would think it's such a romantic thing to say, but like when you actually live it, it's actually hard, right? Because there's sparks, there's heat, but when that settles, that there is this wonderful iron that's sharp. Um, and that's what we want. We want to have that image of Jesus and people um, can speak into our lives and shape us into who God is. Um, so yeah, for us, it looks like we, we cook for each other. Um, and uh, we have, uh, we wash dishes for each other. Um, all, all the great stuff. But we also have intentionality in that we speak about the eternal things that God has placed in our hearts and like help each other through, through that. Um, and one other thing that I want to speak about is like, I think we've also like um, developed this culture of where we do not have, like we don't um, have vulnerability. It's really, and I, I'm speaking about community in a big sense, and also in a small sense in my capacity, but this is also a community. A small groups is a community, right? I think when we show up in those environments, like we need to show up and be vulnerable as we are when we are in a mission, right? Um, and because that exposes our lives to other people so they can speak into us. Uh, when you see that one person in your class that's sitting alone, it takes, you have to be vulnerable to, to step into that space, their space, and speak into them, because you can actually save their lives. You never know like, what you say might do to someone. Um, so, Simon Aker uh, wrote a wonderful book called Beyond, called Beyond Happiness, wrote another one called the, um, uh, the Big Potential. And in those books, he, he cites studies that were done in the University of Virginia. And what they did at and that they had two researchers that, um, that participants look at a hill. So when the participant looked at a hill uh, standing on their own, they saw the hill 30% steeper than it actually is than when they were standing with, um, with their friend who was going to uh, climb the hill with. And in that study is so powerful because it literally says that our perception can actually be impacted by people that come stand in us. And if you step into life without intention, like you just need to rock up and someone's perspective of life changes. But imagine how you would step differently into spaces like that with intention, like with, with good intention for their lives, like making coffee for your uh, colleague who's very stressed. No, uh, it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? And as you do that, you become less, less stressed yourself. And the same study, or in the same book, he speaks about heart diseases. So they saw there was a trend, um, heart diseases in Massachusetts for the same trend as a flu outbreak. But it's quite odd because you don't get a heart attack by shaking someone's hand. Like, uh, but what they saw is uh, from this study is that people's life choices, like what they were eating, what they were drinking, was being trans- communicated. Oh, they were, those effects were communicable. Like, so what AC was eating and what Matthew was eating was pretty much the same way, even though they didn't know each other. And that's the power of hidden connection, is that my actions can impact two people or three people that are uh, away from me that I will never meet. 
Um, the other one, which is quite shocking, was um, on divorce. That if you had a close friend who went through divorce, in the chances of you going through divorce in the next five years increased by 30%. Now, so that's shocking. And I think it was Jim Rowan who famously said, uh, you are the average of five people that you spend the most time with. Now that, and then most of those people are the people that we work with, the people that we live with. And imagine if you are the average of those people, they are impacting you, whether you like it or not. Like, if I start sneezing here, people will start sneezing as well. If I start yawning, people will start yawning. Like, the, those things are there. Whether you, want it or, whether you like it or not, that people will have an effect on us. And most of our workplaces are very toxic. And it's very important to, to connect ourselves, be people that can uplift us and help us. And I think the power of, of, uh, of intentional living, or what I've experienced, is that your life and your character is sort of naked in front of people and people can speak, speak into that. Um, I think the last thing that I want to leave you with is uh, I once saw a documentary National Geographic, and there's a season when hurricanes go through the Atlantic, and what they saw, the research is that there were two types of trees. There were trees that were blown and like crashed uh, by the strong winds, and the trees that stood still like unscathed by the whole um, fiasco. And what they realized was that the trees that stood still and they were not broken, that they had deep, thick roots that went through uh, the ground, not only that, but they, their roots were interlocked with neighboring trees. And that's why they stood. So I want to leave you with this. Like, how deep are your social roots? And who are you interlocking with? Thank you. I just want to challenge your heart um, just before the Father. Because, you know, yes, we value friendship. We value community. But sometimes, I come from a family where we are six. I, I know friends who are in families with same father, same mother, with 12 kids. And a lot of friends. And at the same time, they feel lonely. I think there is something about the presence of God. There is something unique about the presence of God that shapes the way we do friendship. That shapes the way we do family. That shapes the way we do things. Sometimes someone can even be in a crowd watching a game, doing things, and still feel lonely. You know, Moses was surrounded with a lot of Israelites. But there is something he asked of God. He said, do not let us go without your presence. Because if God was absent on that trip, even though they were medium, they were so small. One time there was one of the prophets and there was a threat of death. And his servant was panicking. You know what he did? He prayed so that God would open his eyes. So that he would see that those who were with them were even more than even the, the armies that were coming in front of them. Even though in the natural, they looked like there were just two or three of them. You see, I would like to challenge you. You know, I believe in Christianity, one of the, one of the precious things we have received is... That which the Psalm 91 speaks about the secret place of the Most High. It says he will dwell in the secret place of the Most High. God dwells under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, like Blessing was speaking about the influences of the environment. These are the realities. It's called importation. 
But you know when you dwell in the secret place, you are covered. You are protected. Jesus was living in a country where many people did not be, even believe in him. Did not even believe in God. They believed, well, to the law, but when God was busy doing, they missed it. All the religious people that he, had, that he probably made at the temple were not believing in the promises actually that was actually happening, was being fulfilled. But you know why he couldn't give up? Because he, he was in the covering of the Father. So our desire is that we can be intentional with God. If we are intentional with God, we will be in a, in a very healthy way intentional with man. The problem is that sometimes we come to church with a very high expectation in man. And then when that expectation is not met, we're very offended. And we think people are not pastoral. No. The problem is God has to be your pastor first. Jesus has to be your pastor first. Once you receive that pastoring of Christ, you'll actually see it's, gonna, it's going to manifest as well in the natural. Yes, there is a place to play that we have to play as leaders. But I believe the first shepherding we are called to receive is the shepherding of Christ. The first friendship that we are called to live is a, is a friendship with the Holy Spirit. It changes the way you do life. It changes your, your daily routine. I can tell you crazy things that happens even in my career. The way I do, I can just maybe share with you a testimony of something that happened to me a week ago. I was sitting, well, two weeks ago, I was sitting in the office and I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, um, go on a website of this one radio in Zambia. So I tapped. I went there, I tapped. And then there is different tabs on that website. The Spirit of God said, tap on where it says presenters. So I went on the presenter tab. And then they came, out, came a list and then there was probably 60 presenters or 40 or a lot of them. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, select that one. So I selected one, one of them. He said, take that name, go on Facebook, type it. So I tapped it. <laughs> and then, and then, friend request. I sent the friend request. And it was a lady, which is awkward. <laughs> I nearly was about to go and hide that Leo Marquard so that it doesn't get awkward. And then she said, other person accepted. And then Holy Spirit said, no, just send a message. Say any, something about your music video and your audio that you would like to send the radio. Because it's the biggest Christian radio in, in Zambia. So cool. So I texted her. And she said, oh, cool, thanks. I'm actually Cape Town for a training. She was the only person on that entire website that was in Cape Town for a mission training at the YWAM. And I actually went to see her in Musenberg at the Wyman base the next day after a training. And it's amazing to see, like, you know, the national TV will be playing my music video from this week. It was through that, and it's already on the Christian radio. Crazy how God is doing things just because I heard, because I was in the community of heaven. That's the first community we need. And that's the reason why we do baptism. That's the reason why we pray for one another. If we miss that, we're just hanging around. We are just a club that can run dry. If we all get depressed, guess what? Then we all depressed and we, we depress one another and we're going to destroy one another. But if we have that community of the Father, it's going to be so, the, the, in the natural, it will be an outflow. 
it will be an outflow. When I came to Cape Town, I didn't know any person. I didn't, know, I didn't even know how to speak English when I arrived. But you know what? I wasn't alone. Jesus was with me. Jesus brought friends in my life. Jesus brought people. It is through Jesus that I know Nyasha. It is through Jesus that I know Asi. It is through Jesus that I know Blessing. One day, I sat in my room in Plumstead, and the Holy Spirit said to me, Matthew, go in Plumstead where your friend works. I had a, a friend who was working at a parking. So I just went there. I stood there. We were just chatting. And then a few minutes later, Pastor D and Leona were passing. They were going either a shop or something. And then that day, Pastor D said to me, would you like to maybe come to the office? We can maybe chat. Uh, that was the next day Pastor D said to me, would you maybe come to the office maybe twice or once in a week or something? That was the day I joined the office. But I was in my, in my room. The Holy Spirit said to me, at that appropriate time, go and meet that friend of you. So what I'm saying is, we need that. We need that. 